movies. Like during the day, it had um, it had like you know normal movies that you would see in the movie theater maybe three months before, but at night they would have very bad movies. And so that was my first experience, just turning that on. And I, I really, I clearly remember my father walking in one day, thinking because my father used to work at night, he was a truck driver, and he came home early, and the shame and the guilt that sort of accompanied that. I wonder. We all have a first experience with this all-powerful, super-charged concept, sex. Some of us, it's like mine. Our first experience is shameful, dirty. uh, It's not good. For others of us, we uh, had our first experience with sex when we found our father's stash of Playboys. Um, Now... It's if you trip over a website that they were looking at. Um, Maybe your first experience about sex or sexuality is in the locker room. Maybe you were overdeveloped or underdeveloped and you got embarrassed by the kids around you and they were just really cruel. Um, Others of us, uh, our moms and dads wouldn't talk about it at all. It wasn't an issue. It wouldn't come up. It was totally fine. You weren't supposed to talk about it. You were supposed to develop an idea about this on your own and others still our first introduction to sex was going into a room and a person who was supposed to protect us is supposed to care for us is supposed to serve and help us did abusive terrible things to us it's we all come from different places when it comes to this but for one thing sex is not a neutral subject uh people are supercharged about it the first thing that we need to say about this issue of sex is that it's beautiful, wonderful, glorious, and fantastic. It's, it is fabulous. Like the, the fact that God would invent this. Think about this. The fact that God would invent this. Like this is, sex is an invention of God, right? Maybe better than the microwave. What do you think, right? Right? Okay, microwave, good invention. Sex, maybe... Just a little bit better. What do you think, right? And so, sex is a very beautiful and powerful thing. But not only is it beautiful, not only is it tender, not only is it wonderful, not only does it bond, not only is it God-invented, but it's also powerful, isn't it? It's super powerful, in fact. And um, has the potential to uh, bond you to your spouse or make you want to kill yourself? Um, uh, does it not? Right? I, I tell you this. Listen to me. I do. I've done a lot of counseling. When I say a lot of counseling, I mean thousands of people worth of counseling. I've done thousands of hours worth of counseling. No one has ever come into my room. No one has ever come into my office and said, "My best friend is moving to another part of the world. I want to kill myself." But a few people have come into my office and said, the person that I dated for three months has left me and I want to kill myself. That's happened. So sex is an incredibly powerful thing. And so here's a couple of things that I want to say. First of all, if you're here and you're looking at me like a deer in the headlights, I know you might not have been expecting this. We were trying to advertise it as well as we could. But if you're here for the first time, if you're new to this, if this is a new experience for you, I just want to say breathe. Can we breathe? Just take a breath. Okay. Let's try it again, because some of you were so tense you couldn't even do that. Okay. Let's try it again, okay? One more time, okay? Breathe in. Breathe out. 
Breathe out. All right. So this is very tense. It's very awkward. We're speaking about sex. It's kind of open. Uh, I feel uncomfortable. You know, this was not the day that I wanted to bring my girlfriend. <laughs> and so um, <laughs> for you, I feel real bad. Um, but just... I know it's a supercharged issue. We're going to try to deal with it in a way that's responsible and in a way that I hope will open. First thing, um, open your minds. Okay, so the first thing I want you to do is I want you to realize that sex is, is like a flower. And you and me. And so I like this rose. This is a beautiful rose. Isn't it precious? They're beautiful, you. You can smell them. And it's just wonderful. And if you can feel around, if you ever felt inside of a rose it's beautiful it's very very beautiful and tender and lovely um it's wonderful to look at wonderful to appreciate and experience a rose is a beautiful thing now what i want us to do throughout the rest of this talk is of course you're going to be listening to what i'm saying but you're all going to get an opportunity to examine this rose you can feel it smell it take a petal eat it i don't care what you do with it um, uh, but just check it out, examine it, and then just listen to the thing, okay? So we're going to start on this side. All right, there we go. Okay. Now, because, because sex is both beautiful and it's powerful, that's a, now I don't have to convince you that sex is beautiful, right? Uh, does anybody need convincing of this? Anybody at all? Okay, good. Um, all right, but it's also powerful. It's also very powerful. And it, has the, it, and it has the potential of giving you great joy or making you want to kill yourself. You see, the problem is, is that sex... Now, there are two views that have always been, especially in Jesus' day when they were writing um, the scriptures. There was Plato's way of looking at sex. Plato, when he looked at sex... He, well, actually, Plato, when he looked at the physical, his, his deal was the physical... Everything physical, bad. Everything spiritual, good. And so uh, Plato said that there should be no sex, not, in married, uh, not with married people, not with single people. There should be no sex. In fact, we have a word for it, and you know it comes from Plato because we use his name for it. It's called platonic, right? No, we're just platonic. Oh, no, 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 we're not dating each other. We're just... Platonic, meaning there's absolutely no physical intimacy between us, right? So there's Plato's view of sex. And then there's the pagan view of sex, and that's with anybody, anywhere, anytime, how, whenever you feel like. And that's just sort of the pagan way of looking at sex. And I want, you to, I want to submit to you, I want to submit to you that these are unbelievably destructive ways of looking at sex. Number one, the Bible is neither prudish or pagan. It's neither platonic nor promiscuous. The Bible says there's a third way. The Bible says that, the, that sex is wonderful. God invented it. It's glorious. But that it shouldn't be used whenever, whenever, wherever, however you please. That there should be some boundaries towards it. Here's the reason why the Bible says this. Because intimacy is what God is after with you and I. 
Now, I want you to come in close because this is very, very important. And some of you don't think this. And um, for some of you, I'm going to give you a new category. For some of us, we think that sex is just physical. It's just physical. You know, you know sex, it's, all, it's only physical. It's only physical. I cannot tell you what a destructive lie that is. Sex is not just physical. It's also spiritual. It is a soulish issue. Intimacy is involved. The text that we're going to study today is going to teach us how beautiful and soulish sex is. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. When, we're, when two people come together, there is, God has given us a super glue with sex. It's an unbelievably bonding thing. And so when you get together and you attach yourself to someone else sexually, here's what happens. You're connected with that person. And when you break up, that's a good, by the way, that's a great word, break up, because that's what it feels like, isn't it? What happens is it's like taking two pieces of cardboard and gluing them together. And then have you ever tried to tear those two things apart? You know what happens? They break. Now watch this. Little pieces of this cardboard stay on this cardboard. And little pieces of this cardboard stay on this cardboard. And you just sort of, so you take a little bit of him and he takes a little bit of you. And there's this, there's this hurt that happens. Now watch this. You do this enough times. It's why the first person that you were with, barring uh, if you were raped or, or abused or, 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 or anything like that, but I'm, I'm saying the first person that you were with probably took two years. You know, you had to before you did that because you were so scared and nervous and it was like two years, right? And then um, by the time you get to, you know, the 13th person, it takes two hours, right? Because there's no more that glue thing doesn't stick. Now, you know, what, you know what we call people who attach themselves to some people and then break off and then attach themselves to another person sexually and then break off and then attach themselves? You know, what we, you know what we say that those people are doing? They're practicing for their divorce. They're practicing for their divorce. Because what's happening is that they're attaching themselves. The issue is intimacy, you see. It's about intimacy. And so the reason that Satan wants to tempt you and I, and for some of you, I understand you don't have a compartment in your mind for Satan or sexual sin or, or sin in general at all. Now watch this. It, l- listen to me. Listen to me. Satan wants to break your ability to be intimate. Not only does that create havoc in a marriage, but watch this. I want you to see something. If Satan can get you not to be able to be intimate with the one that you can see, how easy is it for you not to be intimate with the one that you cannot see? See, intimacy is the issue. And so if Satan can only affect your ability to be intimate, then what will happen is, is that you'll come into service and you'll say, you know, I've been coming to church, but I don't feel it. You know, I've been, I've been coming around, but I'm not connecting. I was like, Here, here's what's happened. You have, an, you have a, an intimacy component in your life that's broken. And you need healing. And the only one who can give the kind of healing that we're talking from these soulish scars is Jesus. Now, 
next thing that we need to say as well, because remember, this is all groundwork, man. Today we're going to have a lot of stuff we're going to learn. All right? And so um, the, the, the next part of the groundwork that we need to do is that there's an unbelievable bond that God gives you. And the reason that God would like to have you, to, that sex is for married people only. Every, let's say that together. I think that will be good for us to say together. Let's say it three times together, okay? Three times. One, two, three. Sex is for married people only. Even you rebellious people. Let's try it again. Sex is for married people only. One more time. Sex is for married people only. Absolutely. Sex is not... Listen, listen. Listen to what I'm trying to say. Just in case you're missing my point. Sex is not for pretty people. Sex is not for ugly people. Sex is not for fat people. It's not for skinny people. Sex is not for the people who are experienced in the room and people for no experience. Sex is not for people with kids or not kids. Sex is not for people who, have, who are older or younger. Sex is not for the attractive or the unattractive. Sex is not for, listen to me, sex is not for the people with night lives and the people who are homebodies. Sex is not for anyone other than married people only. One man, one woman, for the reasons that I just told you. Because God wants you to bond deeply with the person that you're supposed to be spending the rest of your life with. And if you're going to spend the rest of your life with, you might as well not be practiced in divorce. I can't tell you how many of us would have avoided so much pain. How easy is it when a couple who's been very promiscuous, super, super promiscuous over here, meets super promiscuous over here, and they're together for like what? Three months? They're married for three months, and they already say, and they go, I want a divorce. Well, why? Because you've been practicing for your divorce the whole time. So now we know that sex is for married people. We know that. And so, but now listen to me. There's also this bonding thing. Now, here's the piece. The bonding thing is a big deal. If you don't believe that sex is a soulish thing and that your soul gets bonded to someone else, here's what I would like for you to do. If you could, for those of you who've had multiple sexual partners. Now, I know we also have young kids here, and I'm trying my best to be very, very, very conscious, conscious of the fact that we have, we have some people who are like, woohoo, party over here, and uh, we have some people who are like, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I, st- I keep myself pure, and all that other stuff. So we have that and everything in between. But if you're being promiscuous, to prove to you that sex is a soulish issue, just think about the first person you've ever been with. Right? Just the first person you've ever been with. Sexually, I'm talking about. Right? You can remember their name. You can remember what they were wearing. You can remember where you were. You can remember... There are details that you remember. Now, again, I'm barring... Listen, for those of us who have been molested, sexually abused, raped, and all that other stuff, there are some deep, broken things that happened to us. And so I understand for this part, you're going to have to suspend your, your doubt for a second. But I'm saying, for those of us, you just, you remember the first person you were with? Is that person in your mind right now, right? Want to give them a call? Find them on Facebook? No? Okay, good. All right, good. All right, so now watch this. Now watch this. For those of you who were very promiscuous, I want you to listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. What did number 10 look like? What was their name? 
right? First one, oh yeah, John Rosario played in the, you know, on the high school uh, baseball team, you know, was five foot eleven, you know, such and such skin, we were such and such color skin, we were in my friend's house, uh, he was wearing blue jeans and a white t-shirt, and so and so was on the radio, right? You remember every detail. Number ten, was that Jose or was that John? Uh, was he wearing jeans or slack? Was that in the hotel, motel, holiday inn? If your friend starts acting up, then you take a friend? Come on, man. You know why? And for those of you who weren't alive in the 80s, that was a rap song. That was a... Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so now watch this. Here's the point that I'm trying to make. The point that I'm trying to make is that it's a soulish thing. And if you don't believe that you can damage that, if you, can't, if you can remember vividly the first person that you're with, but you can't the tenth, you've already done more harm than you think. And so now watch this. I've done more harm than I thought. I wounded myself. I, I made my wife suffer through the wounding. I harmed my ability to be able to communicate to my kids where I want them to go. I don't have a story that I want them to hear. Do you understand what I'm saying? I harmed myself. So I'm not talking to you as a person who's sort of, well, I'm, you know, I'm so much better. I'm talking to you as a fellow struggler who wounded himself, who desperately needs to hear this word from God and the healing that God gives. Okay. With that being said, I want you, we're going to look at Paul. Um, Paul's writing. God has a lot to say on this. Now, before I go on, before we stand up, because we're going to stand up and read this word, but before I do, after everything that I just told you, sex is beautiful, sex is powerful. Sex affects your intimacy, and sex bonds you deeply in a soulish way. After everything that I just told you, if you were God, and you loved you, like God loved you. If, if you had as much wisdom and you understood about sex as much as God does, what would you tell you about sex? Be careful. Would you say that to you? Something as dangerous, something as powerful as sex? Would you say, use a condom? Would you say, would you say hey, listen, Try not to catch anything. If you were God and you knew that sex is a soulish thing, it's a powerful thing, that sex is like fire, that if you leave it in the fireplace, it warms, it comforts, it's beautiful. But if you take that same fire and you put it in the middle of the living room, you burn the house down, you destroy everyone around. If you knew that, would you say, be careful? No, 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 no. If you knew what God knew about sex and you loved you as much as God loves you, you would say this, sex is for married people only. And that, listen to me, that so when the first time you get together, nobody knows what they're doing and you got 50 years to figure it out. That's precious. And so it's with that, God wants to tell us something very, very powerful. But I understand, listen to me, for some of you right now, I'm like Rip Van Winkle. 
Right? I fell asleep for a hundred years, and I'm not getting with the times, and that's just an ancient book. Oh, you're so old-fashioned. You're the pastor. You're supposed to say that. Oh, yeah, this is ridiculous. No way. You're not even in the real world. Listen to me. Listen to me. I want to spare you some stuff. And quite frankly, I'm more in the real world than just about anybody I know. You know how I know this? Because I talk with tons and tons of people, some of you. And I see the destruction. I see the pain. So I'm not trying to say, drive your car carefully down an icy street. I'm saying, listen to me, leave the car, wait for a sunny day. Listen, don't be promiscuous. Wait for the... And so there's a bunch of people who are listening to me right now. There's some of you who are like, yeah, pastor, I needed to hear this. Thank you. I know I'm not crazy. Thank you. Share this. And then there's some of you who are like single and who are like, oh, I don't know if I believe this. There's no way, you know, you know, convince me. Others of you are closed off. Listen, my girlfriend's here. We're going to, you know, I'm going to try to get in bed with her tomorrow. Uh, you know, hopefully this will wear off by then. Right. Um, and to you and to you, I just want to say, remember, um, and then there's a, there's, a, there's a group of you. There's a group of you. Listen to me. There's a group of you who are going to go outside your marriage this week. There's a group of you who've been tempted in your office, in your school, in your family, that you're, just, you're like this close, and God has, wants, has brought you here to spare you the suffering and the pain that you're about to go through. Some of you, you're not sure about your sexuality. You don't know. You have, you're confused. I wish you would talk to me about this. Pastor Raymond, Pastor Gus, Claudio, and Pedro, I wish you would talk to us about this. We would help you and love you and walk with you. I, because of the abuse that I took when I was younger, I was unbelievably confused about my sexuality. I thought I was homosexual for a very long time. And so this is something that I've struggled with and wrestled with. So I'm very sensitive to those sorts of things. So I want to speak to you. But wherever you are, whoever I'm speaking to, wherever you're at in this continuum, I want you to know that God's word is for, listen, it's for your good and for your blessing. And just kind of open your mind for a minute if you can. All right. Now, let's, let's do this. This is going to be really good. Everybody stand up. We're going to stand up. The reason we stand is because it's God's word. It's holy. It's perfect. It's pure. It's beautiful. It's God's word. So we're going to read every bit of this together, okay? Every bit of this, all right? Some of you, this will be the first time you ever read scripture in your life. We're going to read all of this um, together on the count of three, okay? Everybody's ready? One, two, three. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By His power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and He will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ Himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with the prostitute? Never! Do you not know that He who unites Himself with the prostitute is one with her in body, for it is said, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with Him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. 
All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know what your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. May God bless the hearing, reading, and doing of his word. Please have a seat. Okay, so the big idea today, just in case you have to leave early, just in case you're not sure, just in case I'm not clear, it's the very last verse of this, it's the very last verse of this um, deal. And it says this, it's in verse 20, 1 Corinthians 20. Therefore, and this is it, honor God with your bodies. That's the big idea that I want to get across to you, okay? Honor God with your bodies. Don't just honor God with your talk. Oh, I believe in God. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, I love God. Yeah, I do. that's honoring God with your talk. Um, uh, honoring God with your attendance here in a service. Oh, I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm so grateful that you come to church. I don't want to speak to empty chairs. But I'm talking about honoring God con tu cuerpo, with your body. I want you to honor God with your body. That's the big idea today. So if you want to fight about this, I want to first say this. Your argument is not with me. Your argument's with God. You just read it. I don't have to read. I don't have to. I mean, I'm going to explain this, but you're going to go, yeah, I knew that. You didn't even have to explain it, Right? What part of honor God with your body? What, t- what part of uh, uh, your body is not meant for immorality, but meant for the Lord? Like, this is, this is not deep, complex stuff. It's simple. It just needs to be applied. And if, listen to me, if you don't believe me, just go back to your own experience. Some of you are in 12-step circles, right? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, right? We're in 12-step circles, and here's the deal. If you've ever done what's traditionally called a fifth step, a fifth step. Does anybody know what a fifth step is? It's when you sort of confess and share with someone else some of the stuff that you've done, or maybe you're on the other side of that and you're receiving it, right? I promise you, those with the most experience here, 99,000 times, 99,999 times out of 100,000, sex is um, the reason for shame, guilt. It's the deepest reasons. Like the secrets that you're holding on to, that you're going to keep for the rest of your life, that you're going to not share with anybody, have sex uh, uh, with them. And you don't, listen, I don't know you. I don't know your story. I don't know the, 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 just look in your own story. How do I know that? How do I know that? Because God is not wrong about this sex thing. And so, let's get into it. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the stomach and stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. Listen to me. Look up in here. You know that just like today that we have sayings to protect ourselves from what God says or to protect ourselves from doing what God wants us to do, they had sayings in their time, sayings that would just kind of minimize. We have sayings. Like, you know, I have the right to do anything. I have the right. Listen, we go, here's what we say in, in now in our day. We go, who are you? Who are you? I have the right to do anything I want. Who are you to tell me what to do? Who are you to judge? Who are you to tell me to live this way or do this or not do that? Who are you? I have the right to do anything I want. And that's what's happening here 
in the letter. The people are giving their, 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 their defenses for why God could let them do whatever they want. And it's going, I have the right to do anything I want. Who are you? And to that, I would say, I'm not standing on my opinion. I'm standing on God's word. And if you want to know who I am, I'm a person who deeply wants your good. Who deeply, listen to me. You have all the sex in the world. From now to the day you die, won't affect me one bit. I still go to sleep. I like my kids. They like me. You know, I'm doing just fine. I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow. I'm going to work out. I'll be just fine. You don't. I'll be just fine. So I'm not trying to get something from you. So calm down. I'm not, you know, you're just sitting in right now. You're just in a seat in a building. Nobody's looking at you. Right. This is you're just in a crowd and hearing a talk. So if you're super defensive, calm down. Secondly, all these defenses. Why? If I told you, you know, you should probably shouldn't eat uh, chocolate cake uh, at 11 o'clock at night. It's probably not good for you. You'd be all right with that. Like, I mean, you may, may or may not believe that, but you'd be all right with it. So why are you so amped up if I say don't have sex? There's something there. There's something there. And that's not a problem with me. You've got a problem with someone else. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. Paul, Paul responds to this, oh, it's my life. Oh, who are you? He goes, yeah, you can do anything you want. Sure, I'm not, I'm not the boss of you, but hey, not everything is beneficial, right? Right? I have the right to eat anything, but... I probably shouldn't have a high-fat uh, uh, diet, right? I probably should be reasonable about how I live, which is interesting because it's the very next thing he says in verse 13 about food. He says, you say, food for the stomach and stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. Did you hear that? Food for the stomach and stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. You know what we say today? We'll say things like this. Um, let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. We say... You only got one life to live. No? Only a few of us, right? Only the people who come to my office. Not you. I understand. We only got one life to live. And, and here's my favorite. Here's my favorite. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Really? How has that worked out for you so far? Follow your heart. Really? Come on. Let's talk about that for a second. Matter of fact, I would like to talk about this for just a minute. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to talk about this for a minute. Listen to me. Follow your heart is one of the most destructive suggestions I've ever heard anyone receive in the entirety of my life. And it's in every movie. In every movie that you have. The punchline is, follow your heart. Imagine. Imagine you telling your 16-year-old daughter who's about to date the guy with the leather jacket. Go, sweetie, I just want you to follow your heart. Follow your heart? Are you crazy? Follow your heart? You mean the heart that had you curled up into a little ball, crying like a baby, wishing you had not done what you did? That heart? You mean the heart that had you wanting to kill yourself for someone you just met two months earlier? That heart? The heart that put you in that position where you were embarrassed and you didn't know, you were filled with shame? That heart? That's the heart that you want to follow? Good night. Don't follow your heart. Heart. Don't follow your heart. Follow God's word. Follow the, 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 the suggestions that you're given. Follow the spirit of God. But follow your, follow your heart. Oh, man. Have you ever met somebody who followed their heart? Man. Right here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Man. Interview them. You will understand what I'm trying to say to you. 
<laughs> no, I'm just teasing. Yeah. No, listen. Follow your heart is one of the most destructive, painful, crazy things you could possibly do. Please, God, for God's sake, for Christ's sake, whatever you do, don't follow your heart. The Bible says that your heart is wicked. Follow your heart. Man, listen, don't, don't follow your heart. <laughs> you can leave now. I understand. I totally understand. Verse 13, you say food for the stomach, stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. Hey, listen, you only live once. Follow your heart. Listen to me. Listen to me. Don't do that. Don't do that. People who do that, let me tell you something. Life is too short to be, to be mounting up regret. Life is too short to be collecting shame. Life is too short to be building an account of guilt. It's just too short for that. Please. Don't, don't put, put down your defenses. You say food for the stomach, stomach for food, God will destroy them both. The body, however, and this is Paul's response to that, the body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Isn't that precious? It says, yeah, it's true. Food for the stomach, stomach for food, God will destroy them both. But here's my point, guys. Listen to me. Just because you can eat whatever you like doesn't mean you should eat whatever you like. Right? Like, the, who are the happiest people? Who are the most energetic people in the world? This is especially true if you've ever struggled. This is really, really true. Have you ever struggled with weight? I've struggled with weight. And I just, I'm more energetic. When I say, let, let me tell you something. I become a happier person when I say no to some of the most wonderful pleasures of food. I just become the most, ha- I, I become happier for it. And, and I become something else. Uh, yesterday, for instance, we went, uh, my family and I, we were just having an adventure, and we went to Carlo's Bakery in New Jersey. Anybody's ever gone to? They have a TV show. The Cake Boss. Right, yeah, yeah. We went to Carlo's Bakery, and we got, and I was like, oh my God, this is so expensive. Won't ever do it again. I told the kids, take a picture, because <laughs> ain't gonna do this again, boy. And so, and so they, they all had it. And what was interesting was that uh, both my daughter and my wife felt sick. I said, oh, this is great, isn't this great? I was like, yeah, isn't it great? You have to tell me because I ain't going to eat that, that stuff. And, and no, actually, that's not true. They left some leftovers and I did try it. It was great. It was great. Yes, it was. But I ate little. All right. But my point being, my point is, my point is, is that they got sick. Because everybody knows that you shouldn't, just because it tastes good, just because, yeah, you can do it, and just because God gave you um, the ability to eat uh, doesn't mean that you should have it. And just because God created something doesn't mean that you should do it at any point. It's like when I talk to some of my friends who are still smoking weed, and they go, oh, but, you know, God made these plants, and they plant, I was like, man. I was like, man, God made arsenic too, brother, but don't, don't chow down. Like, be easy. So, so okay, so... So you see that, right? Um, the, the body is not meant. Let me tell you something. What happens? Has anybody here ever tried to use a knife for a screwdriver? Yeah, that, sometimes that doesn't end so well, right? I, I mean, I remember a story of a guy cutting his hand really super bad because he used something that has a perfectly good use. He used it for the wrong thing. And when you use the, the right thing for the wrong thing, you end up with pain, hurt, and destruction. Your body was not meant for immorality. You know what your body was meant for? The Lord. 
Isn't that cool? Your body and my body was meant for the glory of God, that we can honor God with our bodies. Verse 14, by his power, God raised the Lord Jesus from the dead, and he'll raise us also. You see, remember how they just said, oh, but God will, you know, food for the body, body for food, but God will destroy them both. He goes, no, 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 listen, there's more to life than what you see. Listen, that all you see is not all there is. That there's something more. Jesus came back from the dead to let us know. It was interesting. I was uh, reading an article about the Beatles, and they had this idea that whoever died first, if there was their, their atheist or Buddhist or Eastern philosophy, the Beatles are, um, uh, and they said, if you die, if there is an afterlife, come back and tell us something uh, about it, and then we'll believe. And, and, and to that, I just smiled, and I said, no, that already happened, and still people don't believe. You see, Jesus came back from the dead to prove that death is not where life ends. That there's more. There's more. And he says, God will raise you from the dead. That if you find yourself in Christ, that God will raise you from the dead. That life begins and continues beyond death. Verse 14, by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. By the way, if you're sick, if you're dealing with temptation, if you're struggling, you should be encouraged by that. If everything around you, the pressure and the difficulty and the depression and all that else, listen to me, if it doesn't end on this side of eternity, it will end. It will end. And God is gracious. He will give us what we need. Verse 15, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? This is incredibly uh, controversial. I love when Paul says, do you not know? Because every time I tell my kids that, I tell them because they obviously don't know. Right? Have you ever done that? Don't you know you're not supposed to put your notebook in the bathtub? Right? Don't you know? Yeah. Do you not know? And he tells them something that they don't know. And you know what? We don't know either, do we? We just kind of live our own lives, doing our own things, thinking that God. You know what? Who needs God when I'm God? Who needs God's opinion when my opinion is Trump's God's? Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? No, I guess we missed that memo. Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become flesh. Look look up at me. It was all right and perfectly acceptable that the people from this period of time, about 2,000 years ago, that they would go to... It, and, and by the way, you wouldn't have to convince them that uh, sex is soulish. In fact, it, whenever you find an archaeologist who's been digging up and finds religious places, you'll also find connected with that sexual um, practices. You know why? Because when man invents a religion, and I mean that man like male, when men... If, guys... If you invent the religion, right, lots of sex for you, right? No sex for wives. No, 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 no. Lots of sex for you, right? You don't believe that? Just study, just study history. Every time, even recently with David Koresh, um, check out his religion. Uh, Mormonism, right? Lots of wives. Of course. Of course, because if I make, <laughs> I make up one, I'm going to have a lot of wives. That makes sense to me, right? But the difference between Christianity and all other man-made religions 
is that it comes from God. And he doesn't just care about the well-being of men. He cares about women. Women, I want you to hear what I'm saying. Listen to me. Listen to me. Wherever Christianity has flourished, women have done better. Wherever. Don't believe me? Look it up. Wherever Christianity has flourished, women have done done better. Wherever Christianity is almost non-existent, women have done worse. Don't believe me? Check out Muslim countries. Check out communist countries. Check out wherever Christianity has flourished. I'm not saying that everybody believes. I'm just saying that wherever Christianity is in the culture in a prevalent way, women have done better. Wherever Christianity has not flourished, women have uh, have fared far worse. Far worse. Listen to me. Because God cares about you. And he doesn't want you to be used and abused and taken advantage of and then discarded. He wants you to be treated as precious things because you are. You're his. And God says a deeply spiritual thing. He goes, you know that when you sin, it affects me because we're in the body of Christ. Now, if you're not in the body of Christ, you can do whatever you want. You can take this in. In fact, you're listening to this message going, God, I'm grateful I'm not a Christian. Because I'm speaking to right now Christ followers. This is not, I'm not trying to share this with my atheist friends. We're not there. Uh, you know, they don't know Jesus. The only, the only thing that would ever stop me from wanting to have sex with every single person is Jesus. So I'm not, if you don't know Jesus, I get it. I get it. But listen to me. If you do know Jesus, do you know that when you attach yourself to sin, it affects me? And some of you, listen to me, you experience this all the time. You attach yourself to sin, and all of a sudden, the friends around you that are close to you, they, they don't say, did you attach yourself to a prostitute? They don't say that. Here's what they say. What's wrong? I could see that there's something wrong. Is, are you all right? Are you okay? And you're like, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. Yeah, don't, just stop asking me that. And they could see, because there's a link between us. And that when you're in Christ, when you sin, it affects me. Not only does it affect me in a way that I don't get, in a soulish way that I don't understand, but you know that when you're in sin, you're less likely to serve God. I just, I tell you from experience. Not that, not that God turns away from you, not that God, none of that, none of that. In fact, the very opposite is true. God turns towards you, He loves you, He embraces you, He gives you grace, He gives you sufficiency, sufficient grace to endure and be healed. Listen to me. But how many times have you ever sinned, and then the next day is church, and you said, nah, I'm not going. I'm affected by that. I'm affected, not, not because I'm a pastor or because your seat is empty, but because there was somebody in this community that probably needed your hello. There was somebody in this community that probably needed your smile. There was probably somebody in this community that probably needed your hug. You see, you think it's just affecting you, but you attach us to it. So guys, what we're doing, what we're saying is, with, what we're saying is, is that when you sin, it hurts me too. You go, no, I'm just hurting myself. This, I'm not hurting myself. I'm not hurting anybody else. I'm just doing it. No, 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 you are. You're wounding me because your shame and your guilt removes me. Not because I want to go, but because you go. And not because God wants you to go, but because that's what Satan wants. Remember, he's affecting your intimacy. Do you not know that he who unites himself with the prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, two shall become one flesh. This is how grave it is. The two shall become one flesh should only be in marriage. He goes, pulls it all the way back from Genesis. Verse 17. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Do you see that? That if you're in Christ, you don't have to go back to that stuff. Listen to me. Guys, listen. The clicking, clicking. You don't have to go back to the click, click. You don't have to go back to the, 
to the flirtatious words. You don't have to go back because Jesus can fill you. Jesus can give you satisfaction. Jesus can sustain you. It's a gospel issue that God can make. Listen to me, ladies, 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 listen to me. It's, it's interesting, right? Because it's said that women uh, use sex to get a relationship and men use relationships to get to sex. Isn't that interesting? And so women will go, okay, listen, I guess I, guess I will give my body over to you in hopes, in hopes that you'll stay with me, that you'll call me beautiful, that you'll validate me, that you'll give me value. In it. And, and what you're doing, listen to me, is you're worshiping at the wrong altar. You're saying, you're saying, you're my God, and I am going to sacrifice and obey you. I am going to... And I just, I wish, if you were my daughter, I would just take you in my arms and I would just say, Jesus thinks you're beautiful. Jesus thinks you're valuable. Jesus thinks you're precious. Jesus thinks you're worth it. Yeah, but if I don't, he's going to leave. Jesus will never leave. Jesus will be with you for all. Yeah, but he's going to be the, he's like the last boat out of the, you know, the dock. Jesus will never turn his back on you. Yeah, but I'm, I don't feel beautiful. I need a man to tell me that I'm valuable and I'm beautiful. Jesus is saying, oh, you're valuable. You're beautiful. I made you. The reason I gave you the color brown eyes is because it goes beautifully with your skin. The reason I gave you the color hair that I gave you, the reason I gave you the height that I gave you is because I value you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are precious in his sight. Yeah, but if I don't do this, then I'm going to be all alone. He goes, I won't leave you alone. I'll be with you. I'll take care of you. Jesus, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. So Paul says in verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. All of the sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against his own body. Look at me. This is a big deal. There is a sense where sexual sin is more profound than any other sin. And again, I go back to those of you with fifth step experience. You know that the deepest regrets, the greatest shames, the the stuff that's, that's in the closet, the deepest, is sexual sin. There's somehow, you know intuitively, it gives shame, it gives difficulty. So what does Paul say because of that? He says, flee sexual immorality. Now, Now, listen to me. Listen to me. If you ever watch movies, if you ever watch TV, here's how it goes. The guy meets the girl, he's married, she's married, you know, it's something like that. And they start flirting and they go, oh my gosh, that's a beautiful dress. She goes, really, this old thing? And then he goes, and then, and then she goes, wow, I just love the way you look in those, uh, in those clothes. He goes, oh, really? Oh, I just threw these on. And then he says, and then she says, oh, you know, my man, you know, I wish, you know, he ignores me. And, you know, it's not, you know, and da, 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 da. And she goes, and he goes, really, if, if you were my girl, if you were my girl. I'd buy you pretty dresses and take you out every night. You know why he says that? Because you're not his girl. And he can say that. Because you're not his girl. Back to the movie. So and then, so, and then he goes, oh, if you were my girl. And, and then she goes, oh, I just wish I had someone like you. And they, put it in a, and they do that flirtation thing and they have lunch together. And then they, what happens? In the movie, in the movie... They go up to the hotel and the music's playing and the moon is out and the, the you know, the, 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 the hotel thing is out and it's all going on and they're passionately kissing and occasionally, now, you know, I mean, my goodness, and occasionally the woman will go, wait, 
No, I can't. I can't do this. And then she runs off the scene and goes back with a man and it's happily ever after. Can I tell you that never happens? That never happens. Let me tell you something. When the moon is out and the music is playing and the hotel room is paid for, there's only one way for this thing. This only ends one way, right? Like, I mean, if men had like a remote control locks, it would be like, doo-doo, and it would be like, shh, you know, use all sorts of bars and doors slant and all that. You ain't leaving here. I paid $67.92 for this room. You ain't going nowhere. That's the way that ends, right? Now watch this. Why am I saying this? Why am I saying this? Okay, come back. I know that was funny, but come back. Come back. I'm saying this is because some of us are too stupid for our own good. And here's what we do with sex. We go... Um, Pastor, I know you were talking about sex, but what about kissing? <laughs> where, it, where it says in the Bible you can't kiss? <laughs> and what about touching? Over the clothes or under the clothes? Uh, what about making out? What about? And you, you go so close to the edge that it takes, you, it takes you almost nothing to fall off. And then that's when you come back to me and go, I don't, I don't know what happened. I go, ask me. I know. I know. Pick me. Pick me. I know what happened. Paul is saying, don't flirt with sin. Flee sin. Run. Get out of Dodge. Don't. Listen. Listen. If, if you were meeting Jason, right, the Friday the 13th things, right, do you want to talk to that dude about the, destru- you know, the, 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 the harmfulness of violence? Do you want to go, well, you know, Jason, put the axe down, Jason. I think we need to talk. What we're doing here is not healthy. And I think we should go, no, don't say it. I have to. Would you do that? Of course not. You'd run. You'd run. And you wouldn't try to turn on no car. You'd run because the cars never turn on in those movies, right? You would run. Get out of Dodge. But I can't tell you how many people go. I got to go back to Jason. And what, what, what was it? Because we need, anybody know? Closure. You've been in the room. Closure. You don't need closure. You shouldn't have had an opener in the first place. It's not closure that you need. You need to run. You need to flee. You need to go. So Paul says, in an incredibly spiritual way, he says, don't do closure. Don't try to talk to Jason and tell him to put his axe down. It doesn't go well. Here's what you should do. Flee. Corre. Run. Jet. Book it. Get out of Dodge. Move it. Go west, young man. Go. Flee from sexual immorality. Jump down to, because, and we just, verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? And by the way, this is, and we're, we're done. We're done. Um, listen to me. There are, t- some of you are going to do, some of you are ready to do what I'm asking you to do. And what I'm asking you to do is honor God with your bodies. Just so you understand, the point for today is to honor God with your bodies, right? Sex is for married people only. We're going to honor God with our bodies, right? That's the point for today, okay? Some of you, you're ready to do this, but you go, I don't know how. You know what, Pastor? I've, it's a sexual thing. I've been a part of most of my life. I don't, I don't know how to stay out of the bed. Forget trying to get in the bed. That's not my problem. I don't know how to get out. So here's the thing. 
Here's the two motivations that you're going to use, and they're no good for you. They're no, I mean, use them if you need them, but they're not the best motivations for you. The first one is fear. You go, well, God doesn't like this, and so if I do this, I'm going to be cursed, or I'm not going to have a happy marriage, or I'm going to you know, break my intimacy peace, and that's the reason I'm not going to have sex. Or fear, maybe I'll catch something. Or fear, maybe I'll get pregnant, or maybe she'll get pregnant. Or fear, um, uh, maybe my husband might find out. Maybe my wife might find out. Fear. For some of you, your motivation is fear. And, and for those of you who your motivation is just fear, only fear, if that's your only motivation, you're religious. You know nothing of Christianity. I'm going to explain to you about Christ in a second. But right now, you're just being good for goodness sake. That's what fear is. There's another motivation. It's on the other side of the street. It's pride. And that's for some of you who haven't, right? You, you, you're, you're keeping yourself pure. It's like, Psh, I'm not like these people. I'm not like those promiscuous people. I'm not, I'm not like these sexually active people. And there's a bunch of you who are like that. And for those of you who are like that, that is a very poor fuel that is not going to sustain you in the dark moments of your soul. Whether it's fear or pride, that's not going to help you. What's going to help you is the verse that we're reading now. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. And might I add, high price. And so here's what God is saying. God is saying, wait, wait, wait. But I can't, I can't stay free. I can't stay free from sexual activity. Jesus will say, I stood free from sexual uh, activity. And I died on the cross for all of your sins. And I'll live in you. And so that, but, but Jesus, who's going to tell me I'm beautiful? Wait, you, you died on the cross for me. You died on the cross for me. And you give me all the beauty and the value and the dignity and the worth that I could ever have. But I feel insecure. If, unless he tells me he loves him and unless I sleep with him, he won't tell me he loves him. I feel insecure. Wait up, Jesus. You give me security. You tell me that I, I, you're going to be with me and that you'll never forsake me and that you'll always be with me and empower me and strengthen me. But wait, if I don't give them this, if I don't have sex with them, then they're going to leave me. I'll never leave you, Jesus says. I'll be with you during the tough times. And I'll even bring beautiful Christ followers around you to encourage and excite you. Listen to me. This is a gospel issue. It's in Christ that we're able to say no. Not because of Fear, not because of pride, but because God is beautiful and glorious and wonderful. And his spirit fills us with joy and obedience and surrender and fulfillment. And we can actually do this. But there's some of you who are not convinced, so I have an interview for you. Give me a few minutes. We're going to have Shelly and Pedro come right up. Shelly and Pedro, come right up. Come, uh, Welcome them. Thank you. All right. Now... Shelly and Pedro have been coming to this uh, uh, church for a, a few years now, and they have a very interesting um, story. And so, that's great. Um, here you go. Okay. So, guys, tell me. Um, uh, Pedro, can you just... Uh, and, and I want you to see this, because this is, this is really, really important. I think this is the perfect image of what we're trying to do here in Recovery House of Worship. We have um, two sides of the street. Pedro, um, very briefly, um, if you don't mind, could you tell us, uh, before you came to Christ, um, and you came, uh, what were some of the difficulties that you struggled with before you came to Christ? Good morning, everyone. 
name was Pedro. Um, some of the difficulties that I struggled with was um, low self-esteem, right. um, not thinking that I was better, right. other than um, heroin and cocaine, which I was addicted to 19 years. But right. um, those were some of the things that I, that I struggled with. Okay. And that's how you grew up, right? Addicted. And that's how Wh- I grew When up, did you yeah. first use your first drug? Um, I first started using about 12 years old, you know, drinking and stuff like that, and then slowly but surely it progressed to, like, marijuana, then cocaine, and then eventually heroin. Rough life. Okay. Uh, Shelly, when did you start using Coke? You never did. Right, yeah, right. Go ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. Um, you, Shelly, what, before you met Pedro, um, what was your life? Uh, um, I was in college. I was going to school. I started coming here after I graduated from grad school, actually. Mm-hmm. And I was just serving the Lord. Right, serving the Lord. And uh, you kind of grew up in the church? Did you yeah, grow I grew up, up in, in the church? Right. I actually grew up here, right. like from the time I was nine. Right. Know, nine to ten, yeah. Okay. And then um, went to college, um, went to Nyack College. Right. Then came back after grad school, started okay. coming here. Right, Nyack College is a Christian college up in New Jersey, is it? or Upstate New York, Upstate. Rockland County. Rockland County, mm-hmm. right. Okay. Um, uh, Pedro. Let me ask you, Shelly, since you have, um, and this is a personal question, but we've talked about this. So, um, uh, Shelly, is Pedro the only man you've ever known? Yes, he's the only man I've ever known. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, Pedro, but that's not your story, is it? That Shelly's not the only woman you've ever known. You've, yeah, no, no, it's just you've been, it's, yeah, some of the stuff that we were talking about here. Right, right. Okay, okay. Now, now, by the way, whether you sit in Shelly's seat or you, should, you sit in Pedro's seat, you do understand that you need just as much the grace of God to come to Christ. You understand this, right? You, you understand that we're not trying to pit against religion and non-religion. We're trying, to, we're trying to say that there's a person who's grown up in church, not necessarily Christ follower all those days, but that... You know, she took some suggestions and she experienced some rewards of that and that, you know, it went a little differently. You understand this, right? Okay. Um, so when did you guys meet? When did you guys meet? We met here. Um, okay. By the so way, it was can I just say this? Church is the best place to meet a spouse, a potential spouse. I'm not kidding. Your club is not, Right. You know, what's your name again? And so, yeah, that's not the best environment. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So go ahead, you were saying. Um, no, I met Pedro here. Actually, what Pedro forgot to mention before, Luisa introduced him to me. He had long hair, and he needed his hair braided and stuff. So he, it wasn't love at first sight, but, um, like, right. way down the line, then, you know, we started uh I love that. I have feelings. Yeah. And, and how long did you guys court one another before you got married? How long did that go on for the relationship um, before marriage? Like a year and a half we courted. Like, okay. You know, like a year and three months. And, and then when, we you were, decided, when you decided to get married, how much longer was that, like the engagement? No, the, no we, when, we, when we were engaged, it was like a year and a half. We dated for a little less than a year so, okay. before we got engaged. So like almost two and a half years? Yeah, like almost, like two, a little less than two and a half. Okay. 
did you guys um, physically connect with one another um, before the wedding day, before the honeymoon? No, no. No. It was, yeah, no, we waited till. Okay. But did you have sex? No. Did you have, have sex before? <laughs> uh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. No, yeah, we yeah, didn't yeah. have sex at all. Um, and before when you were saying, did I know anybody like another man? I've had boyfriends in the past, but I've never like got physically intimate or anything like that. Yeah, I've had, you know, I've, yeah, 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 no, I've, you know, I've Every kissed Puerto other guys, goes, I've yeah. other men before yeah, and yeah, stuff right, like that. Right. But no, right. I've waited till right. our wedding day with Pedro. So yeah, right. that's precious. Isn't that mm-hmm. awesome? That's just awesome. Okay. Um, Pedro, how difficult, that's two and a half years, two and a half years, and, and just in case you haven't noticed, these are not ugly people, right? They're very, very attractive people. And that's so, when you can applaud. Yeah, right, right, that's when you, yeah, right, there you go. Yes, very beautiful. But, um, Pedro, uh, what, what kind of difficulties was it for you, two and a half years, um, you didn't die, obviously, so what, what happened during that time? Didn't die, but, but, but used to and, and, and being conditioned to, you know, not like I'm saying, like I was having sex every day, but being conditioned to, to, like, if I meet a girl, my goal was to have a relationship, to have sex. Right. I never, you know, I never, I never bought a car without test driving it. Right. You know what I mean? My thing was like, all right, we're going to see what the future looks like, but we've got to test it out now. But that wasn't the case now, and you guys explained it to me. I, I'm glad that I had... Um, you know, the people that, and the men that I had around me that pulled me to the side and said, you know what, this is one of ours. You're going to do things the right way. I was able to approach them. I was able to have the confidence and say, you know what, I like this lady. I like this young lady. I want to go through a relationship with her, but I, I want to do it the right way. How should I proceed? And, and you were able to give me some steps in how to do that. And, you know, I was able to do that. That's wonderful. Thank you, Pedro. Shelly, it's two weeks before the wedding day. Why not? Why not just give in? Why not? You're going to get married. He's like wifey. He's like, well, in your case, he's like husbandy, whatever you say with the guy thing. Uh, groomy, right? Like, uh, so why not? Why not? It's two weeks before the wedding. Why not just dive in and actually? Um... Like I was saying before, it was very, very difficult. Um, it was, def- it was def- very difficult keeping my purity. Um, I had a lot of accountability. From you, Pastor Edwin, from the church, um, through the premarital counseling, and it was two—it was like two plus long years. Yeah. But every day was a decision that I was making that God was really helping me to make. And um, two weeks before the wedding, by that time, it was kind of like, yes, it's difficult, but it's two weeks. Like, right. let's just, you know, continue and. Believe it or not, Pedro was very, very encouraging. I was more of, like, the aggressor, like, wanting to change my mind, believe it or not. And he really wanted to honor it. He really wanted to honor it more than I did, honestly. Right. That's good. <laughs> like, after That's a good. while, I did kind of want to give up. But, you know, he's very God-honoring, and I was really, you know, blessed with that. So that definitely helped, too. So. Do you think... I need to ask, does, does everybody, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, well done, Are you kidding me, okay, let me ask you something, God, I, I want you to women, to, I, I want you guys to see her smile as she was saying that, did you see that guys, did you see that, yeah, that's the gift, that's the gift that you could give, you defend your girl's purity, you defend her honor, 
You don't matter where she came from. When she's with you, you go, no, no, no. When you could tell this to your kids, when your mother met me, she was an honorable woman. And I, I, I fought for that. And you can fight for that. Yeah, that's precious. Um, were there any boundaries uh, that you guys had up so that you wouldn't be in that sort of hotel situation that we were sort of describing before? Yeah, we had boundaries, but in the beginning, I kind of broke the boundaries. I kind of went, um, so the boundaries, the three boundaries were um, open mouth, no open mouth kissing, no dirty talk, and always like dating in public. So like our first date, Pedro and I had, we didn't tell, like we didn't tell anybody, we went to the movies and we were already kissing. So that was, and I ran, I remember running to you and telling you, and um, you had given me the boundaries. Right. And um, you basically were, like, really encouraging me through that. It was, like, really, like, a difficult, it was a very hard situation. But I remember us going through that, and you actually told me, like, to, you know, discontinue, like, the talking for, like, six months yeah. to see if this is something, you know, just pray through it and stuff like that. Right. And it was a horrible six months. I really wanted to, like, not listen to anything you said, but... Right. Um, <laughs> Through that six months, I realized, you know, wow, this is really, like, God, you know, this is who I'm really, like, in love with. Like, I'm falling. Like, this is a God thing. And, you know, I told you, mm-hmm. and Pedro already spoke to you about it and asked for your blessing and everything yeah. like that. So, yeah, those are the three boundaries that um, we had. It was a big struggle. We didn't keep them perfectly. Right. But it definitely helped us so that we didn't, like, fall off track, like, and, you know, I love that. I love that. Break my purity or whatever. Right. So. Now, now, let me let me just say this. Boundaries. Watch this. If you break a boundary, like start like, you know, no dirty talk, no being in a room alone together, even if kids are around because kids sleep very, you know, very deeply. And um, and the, uh, the third one was no open mouth kissing. Listen to me. If you break any one of those rules. You haven't lost anything. In other words, you broke it and alarms go off and you go, oh, no. We broke a rule. Now let's go back. But when you have no boundaries, you can't help but fall into deep sin. Do you understand what I'm saying here? So the boundaries, even though they didn't practice them perfectly, they strove to practice them, and that, I think, was, is priceless. Um, let me ask you something. Uh, on the honeymoon, did it work? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. It worked. Yeah. Yeah. It worked yeah. Very yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Because you know how everybody says, you know, oh, I don't know if we're compatible, if it'll work, if I don't try before. No, evidently it did. Evidently it did. They have a beautiful daughter by the name of Zoe that you see running around. She's a little Arhau princess. Here's, watch this. I love the story that they get to tell their kid. I love the story that Shelly gets to tell her daughter. What story do you want to tell, man? What story do you want to tell? Tell a new story. Even if your old story was all broken... Tell a new story, and it's a precious thing. So I want you to thank them for coming up here. Okay, you guys did a great job. Fantastic. Thanks. Great job. Great job. Okay, listen to me. Who has my rose? Who has my rose? Okay. Wow, the the rose did not survive. Oh, my goodness. Okay. 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 Okay, this is the rose. You know why? Listen to me, listen to me. Come close. There's a point in this. As beautiful as the rose is, and as precious as the rose is, it wasn't meant to be manhandled by everyone in the room. It wasn't. Who, 
See, this rose has been manhandled. This rose has been abused. This rose has been groped. This rose has been, this rose has been uh, taken and, and just... Like at this point, right, this is some of you guys, and you go just like, who wants that rose, right? Nobody wants the rose who's been abused and broken and used and abused. And you go, like me, you go, man, but I'm like that rose. I'm the one who's been abused. I'm the one who's been given away to every person. I'm the one who's been handled by anyone who would like to. I'm the one who was very, very, I, I threw caution to the wind. I did, I'm, I'm like that rose. Listen, who wants that rose? Nobody wants that rose, right? Listen to me. Jesus wants the rose. Jesus will take your broken and battered, your sexual abuse and your sexual promiscuity. Jesus wants the rose. Jesus wants you. And he'll bring, out of your promiscuity, he'll bring purity. Out of your shame, he'll bring rejoicing. Out of your guilt and your past, Jesus will bring a future that you could have never imagined. It's the gospel. And no one is so far gone that Jesus can't bring you back. And no pit is so deep that Jesus is not deeper still. Jesus wants the rose. And he says, I love you. I I know that they said that they loved you, but they didn't. But I love you, and I do. I know that they said that they would take care of you, and they didn't. But I'll take care of you, and I will. I know that they said that if you just give them what they want, they would give you what you want, and they didn't. But I'll love you deeply. I'll take care of you. Jesus wants the rose. And so for those of you who have been listening and have been dealing with the shame, even as I've been speaking this message through, I want you to know that the good news is that Jesus wants you. That, That when you've blown it, when you've gone the wrong way, when you've done the wrong things, when you've pursued the wrong pleasures, Jesus says, I'll take you. I'll take you and I'll love you. I'll care for you. I'll remind you of your beauty. Come to him. Don't run from that. Come to him. So here's what I want you to do. Listen, run to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I am a broken rose. I'm a broken rose. I've been used up. I've been chewed up and spit out. I've been sucked dry. I've been abused. I come to you. And Jesus says, I'll take you. I'll take you. Now, so here's what I want you to do. I simply want you to listen to me. Honor God with your body. That's all I want you to do. When the temptations come, I want you to honor God with your body. When the screen, you know, some of you, you're going to have to go home and you're going to have to delete a bunch of stuff on the screen. Honor God with your eyes. Honor God with your body. With some of the flirtation that you do, honor God with with your words, with your body. With some of the stuff that you've already planned that by the end of tonight you're going to do, honor God with your body. But, but, but we're living together. Listen, start by honoring God with your body. But we're, but we're engaged to be married. Listen, start by honoring God with your body. But, but, but we've already done Listen, honor God. Yeah, but my sexuality. Honor God with your body. And do what Shelley did. Get some people around you who love Jesus and who love you enough to say, come on. We'll do this together. So, if you don't know Jesus, I want you to know Jesus. He wants you. He wants you. You're the broken flower. He takes you. And he'll plant you again. And give you a group. Man, give you, live in you. And lead you in a way that will honor him 
and bless you. Now, that's for those of you who um, don't know Jesus. If you do know Jesus, what I want you to do is I just want you to honor God with your body. Listen, if you're a parent, I got a special assignment for you. Would you just tell your kids, talk to your kids about this stuff? It's no longer the talk anymore, is it? It's now it's the ongoing conversation. You go, but I don't know how to do that. Here's, here's two books. One for a girl, if you have a boy. Uh, one, for, I mean, one for a girl, if you have a daughter. One for a boy, if you have... Uh, and uh, it's called Preparing Your Son for Every Man's Battle. Write that down. Preparing Your Son. The first half of the book is just for you. It's just for you to learn. It's just for you to talk, be able to learn and talk about. The second half of the book, you both read together. The other one is called Preparing Your Daughter for Every Woman's Battle. Let me tell you something. So you're not going into the conversation cold. I don't know what to do. This book literally gives you, it tells you what to say. It gives you the questions to ask. You're able to go through the process together so that your kids don't have to go through what we went through. So they can honor God with their body. That's my prayer for you. That's my hope for you. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to close this the way we did the first service with Pastor Ray and Gus. Um, Father, I thank you for this opportunity that you've given us. And Lord, it's a long sermon, but it's a tough topic. So I thank you for the patience around the room. Lord, I wish I had the words. I wish I had the words to convince them. Lord, but right now you see the brokenness. You see the woundedness. You see how Satan has dug his, his hook deeply in their heart. Lord, I pray that they get their beauty, their worth, their satisfaction their value from you. I pray that they get it from you and not from this other stuff. Thank you for the example of Pedro and Shelley and and for other examples like Luisa and others throughout who are just saying, you know what? My past wasn't what I would brag about now, but I'm living for Jesus now. I'm so grateful for singles like Luisa. I'm so grateful for singles like others that are in this congregation. My prayer, Lord, that we would honor you with our bodies and honor you and experience the joy from that. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.